The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on a break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. Monday, September 18th, 2017, season 13, episode number 41. Welcome to another edition of The Break. I'm Derek Eagleton, and uh, we're going to talk some Cowboys football with you guys here today. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. Cowboys lose yesterday in a game that was at least surprising to me in the way that they lost because we really haven't seen them lose like that in quite a while. But they lose 42-17. to in Denver versus the uh, the Broncos, and we're going to break that whole thing down for you. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. I'm freaking great. Freaking great. Freaking That's, awesome. We got to love this stuff, right? Hey. It's what we do. It's still my job to talk about football, regardless of what the result was. My mom, so I just too. talked to my mom on the phone, and I t- she said, how, how, did, how was the trip? And I was like, well, you know, the plane landed. I mean, we got that right. I mean, that, that was a positive part of it. There's a lot of things that went wrong for the Cowboys. Yeah, they said we're going to break it down. I mean, it's real easy. Got their ass kicked. <laughs> I, Moving on, Arizona. The, the end result, yes, you're absolutely right, but I think there were so many pieces to that. On a level that we really haven't – I mean, you alluded to that. On a level that we really haven't seen very often. During- When's the last time you saw them get beat like that? I, I did – you can take your pick between 2015 Carolina, 2014 Philadelphia on Thanksgiving, and 2013 New Orleans. I'm going to throw one in I there. I still remember that New Orleans. Game. I'm going to throw another one in there, too, from that 15 season. I, I mean, I don't think they were ever competitive against the Patriots. See, I thought about that, and I disagree. I thought they were. Because that score was manageable at halftime. At, like, they fought, and this they fought. Manageable. They couldn't. They couldn't move the ball, and it. Just, I don't think the Patriots scored to really put it out of reach until maybe early in the fourth quarter. Like, it was a lopsided-looking score, but if you watch that game, it wasn't terrible for most of the game. And as bad as the score was yesterday— And the Cowboys were defeated. The Cowboys got beat yesterday worse than the score. And I yeah. know that yes. sounds crazy, yes. but they got beat worse than the score yesterday. I think this was the second most lopsided game I've seen them in. Other The, the 2013 at the Saints in right. New Orleans, that's the most savage beating I've ever seen in football, period, in, on any level. But I don't know about that. Considering but, that they were both professional teams, yes. This was right up there, though. This right. is number two, or 1A, in my opinion. All right, so let's go ahead. Nick. As I wrote in, in, the, in my column yesterday, that the Aqib Tlaib's touchdown was fitting because this, that was not a 35-24 game. That would have been embarrassing, really, for the Broncos if that, uh, that's all it was. I mean, 42-17, to 17, it was every bit that. So, yeah, they had a chance to, to do some things and, you know, in the fourth quarter, and I thought Garrett maybe could have handled it differently there, but – I mean, they got their ass kicked, and that's that's what it looked like. That's All what right. it was. Let's dive into the storylines of this game, and I want to start first with what I think is the most important. You guys can disagree, but uh, the fact that they couldn't run the ball to me was the biggest storyline of that game. Yesterday, Ezekiel Elliott was held to eight yards on nine carries, .9 average. His longest run was five yards. Obviously, we haven't seen anything like that when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott since he's been with the Cowboys. His worst game before that was against the Giants. Week one of last season where he carried the ball 20 times for 51 yards, 2.6 yards per carry, uh, and a touchdown. What do you think went wrong yesterday? What happened with the running game that, that Ezekiel could go and get, could average less than one yard per carry? I touched on, well, I said this while the game was still finishing up, and then Vance Joseph came out and kind of, and, and all the Broncos kind of came out and confirmed my theory, which is that, this is a uniquely positioned team to be able to do that to you. Um, they have a secondary where they can put their three guys out there and cover your three receivers, man up, and then put the rest of their defense in the box and say, go ahead and try to run it. You can't beat our corners. We dare you to beat our corners. And they did that, and Dak Prescott could not do it. Yeah, this is about Dak. And it's, no, sorry. You're right, though. This is about, this is, hey, we're going to see if Dak Prescott can beat us. Now, not everybody can do what Denver did, like you're saying with the corners. Right. So good luck for everyone to try it. But we've seen it in the past, some teams that can do it. Having said that, I'm still stunned. I mean, that's I mean that's football 101. Team, like, you can do, if you've got the personnel to do it, load the box and force your quarterback to beat you. 
I'm still blown away that they were that effective. I mean, you know, the Cowboys weren't that successful running the ball against the Giants by the standards that we're used to seeing. You know, I mean, they were averaging four yards a carry. Zeke's longest carry was eight to ten yards. Like, wasn't anything amazing. I mean, we're used to seeing this team run for 130, 140, 150, 160. So even with the Broncos keying up to stop the run, I would have thought Zeke would at least have 50, 60, 70 yards. I mean, that's a bad rushing day for this offense. To hold him to eight, good Lord. I mean, I know a little bit of that is just on getting away from the running game because you're down, but I never thought I would see this running game have so little room to work. I mean, all credit in the world to the Broncos. That was insane. How much of that do you guys put on the offensive line and the reason why I asked that question I know we heard a lot we hear a lot and we're hearing a lot about them loading the box but when I went back and watched the game most of the time even though they might have let's say eight in the box it was typically when the Cowboys had seven guys out there they'd load up and they were going to run and so in most instances a running back's going to have to beat at least one guy and literally there were no running lanes like there was nothing there was really no room for Ezekiel Elliott to to work and so the, it to me, it begs the question, was the offensive line just inadequate when it came to being able to move this defensive front around? Yeah, they were. They, 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 um, I thought it was one of the worst games I've seen from Travis Frederick. I mean, I, I thought he was getting beat in the middle a lot. Um, yeah, they couldn't move it. Now, that Denver did put more guys up front, but we've kind of seen that before. It's not like it's Everything the first time we've seen that, eight. Right? Yeah. Um, this is just about the fact that, you know, as good as we think Dez and Terrence and Beasley are, they're not elite, and they can get beat by elite corners. And um, that's pretty much what happened is that they dared D- Dak to, to beat them with these receivers, and they, re- they really couldn't do it. I mean, look at their targets again for Dez. 16 targets, and seven he caught seven. Two of those targets went to the Broncos, you know, so and one of them was a touchdown. So, I mean – you know, again, they try to get the ball to Dez, and it just it, it doesn't work uh, as 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 much as as frequent as it should. I guess when you're throwing it to your best receiver 16 times. I agree with everything he just said, but I guess going back to my earlier point, for and and I know they've got two new starters, and that's you know that's a a growing pain that we talked about all leading into this season. For all the praise and accolades that they get, and the first team All Pros and the money that's invested in the offensive line, I I would expect better than point whatever yards per carry. What was nine, it? 0.9. Well, point, for, that, for Zeke, that was point nine yards per carry. I mean, if they've got 10 guys in the box, you should at least be able to get a yard. You should, There shouldn't be a zero starting out that statistic. I mean, and that's, you know, I think about how, you know, I always say I grade on a curve and Zick, or Nick just grades him straight up. I mean, that – that's just catastrophic failure if you're supposed to be the best line in the league and you put in that. And, and I, don't, I mean, I don't care if the Broncos were uniquely positioned to stop it. I mean, that was that was lacking even for a bad effort. I mean, it was that was bad. And you know what was most interesting to me when you talk about the offensive line is the fact that they were so um, they were so bad when it came to run blocking. But in the passing game, they for the most part, and I, I think it, it's kind of a tale of two halves. If you look at the game before it got to the point where there was the Cowboys were basically an 11 personnel and throwing every play, they actually gave Dak a pretty good amount of time to be yeah. able to get the ball out. It was after that, once, they, once the defense for the, the Broncos knew that they were just passing every down, then good luck with that defense trying to stop that pass rush. But you look at that, and that, that's the part that seems really interesting to me is that they did okay, and you look at the Denver defense going into the game, I think we all would have agreed you were way more worried about their ability to get after the passer than stop the run, and they did exactly the opposite. I hate to pat myself on the back, but in the blueprint video that we did on Friday, I said the Cowboys have to start fast because if you wind up in a situation where they know you have to throw the ball, you're not going to win this game. Yeah, because then you let Von Miller, who really wasn't a factor in the game until the end, you know, and 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 he had more offside penalties than sacks. And that's his that's his thing. He knew well, he hadn't he was, had a sack in five games. Well, Demarcus Ware used to do the same thing, you know. Same, I mean, as good as Demarcus was, he got offside penalty every single game. Same with Flozell Adams; he'd have false start every game because he's trying to anticipate that rush. And so you'll give up. Three or four offsides and if you're going to get some sacks. I didn't mean I didn't mean the flag as a bad thing. I mean no. as an illustration of the fact that he was coming. That's what he does. He yeah. comes off the and line. Honestly, and if I had a guy like that, I'm fine with it. If, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, not because 
you're getting offside because the offensive line is terrified of what you're going to do, and you know that. And I mean, I'll take three offside flags per game for a guy that scares offensive linemen and quarterbacks like that. Yeah, and he did get a false start one of those times yeah. out of Lyell, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of works both ways, right? Um, now, Dak ended up with uh, – he ended up throwing for more – uh, more times than he has in any game previously. He went uh, 30 of 50, 60% completion rate, 238 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. It was his worst quarterback rating at 68.6. I'm sorry, his second worst quarterback rating at 68.6, only behind the second game last year versus the Giants where he had a 45.4. Um, and when you look at the interceptions, which is uncharacteristic of him, he had two interceptions, but really – and you pointed out this to me, Dave, after the game. If you really think about it, there were two other plays he probably should have had interceptions if it weren't for the fact that Des Bryant yeah. basically played great cornerback, as you said in a tweet, Nick. Um, but it, you look at all of that, and, and are you starting to believe, is there any part of you that believes this offense is not good enough yet that without the running game they can put it on Dak and win ball games? I think I've always believed that. Okay. I mean, I have all the respect in the world for Dak, but – he is not at a level, and this offense is not yet at a level where you're gonna you're gonna be fine no matter the circumstances. Like, and and I know they came back in the playoffs, but we saw that against Green Bay. I mean, this is a team that has to control the game. You have to take it to them. You have to be the ones running downhill, preferably playing with a lead. I don't think Dak Prescott is quite on that Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady level where no lead is insurmountable. I don't. I mean, that doesn't play well to his strengths. It doesn't play well to how you've built this offense. That's. I mean, it's and it's not. I don't mean it as too big of a knock on him. I mean, he's in his second year, and they've designed this to be a run happy offense. When when you're based around the run, you're not going to probably fare well in shootouts and comebacks. That's just the way it is, and it's part of his maturing process. I don't fully agree with that. Just here we go. No, always about uh, that. No, 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 no. Uh, I w- just don't really agree with that. Just based on this specific game, just for the reason that not only did Dak play bad, even when he made good throws, somebody else would play bad. Jason Witt and everyone else in the whole team was playing bad. Oh sure, and I'll. Be, I, Dak was not good by any stretch of the imagination, but I said it last night. He didn't. He didn't get a whole lot of help from anybody. So I have a hard time putting this on him as him just not having a good game. I think this was just a F across the board for the offense. I mean, just not really any – there's nobody on the offense that should come out of this feeling like, well, I played pretty well. Yeah, my job. You know, yeah. you know at all. I mean, there's 52 guys that, well, that maybe need to do better. Demarcus Lawrence got two sacks. Yeah, but eh, kind of. Then he know. had a penalty that, that changed the whole game. You yeah. know, and I don't I don't like that's that call. That's a call, questionable call in a in a questionable rule. But you know, yeah, you would. There's only Dan Bailey. The, Dan Bailey's the only guy that just went out and did his job. Chris Jones. You know, I thought the first punt of the game by Chris Jones. You're in the thin air. You you want to push him back. I thought it was a difference in uh, two weeks because Denver starts. I mean, he he got a 41 yard punt that went out of bounds at the 24 yard line, and they went and marched and scored. You would expect, and I know we're, we're kind of expecting more from him, but I think he's going to get that ball inside the 10, and that changes their drive a little bit. But for the most part, Chris Jones was fine. But I thought, you know, that play right there, it's the difference of them starting at the 10 or the 20. But I have some opinions on Dak. I mean, I thought he didn't play well, and he he's, I don't think he's good enough to carry the team right now. I don't think he's at that point. But when you look at it in a, in a, in a, TO, a T.O. drop from Romo, like, that's your quarterback. Like, that. that's your guy. And I, I like the way he played, honestly. It's my quarterback. Exactly. I, I liked not not as far as the interception. He had some He had some bad games. But you're talking about the effort and, and what he brought as a, as a guy that's going to keep going, keep fighting that last play where he's scrambling from Von Miller and then runs over a guy and all that. He's running for his life. I mean, it can get better. It's got to get better. But there's some things that you can really like out of what you saw out of Dak, and I, 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 I think I'm the only person that's si- saying that. I don't, I don't see I, anyone that's with me there. I'm, I think I'm with you there. I mean, I like the way his toughness was, and that's has nothing to do with the running back, and not, and I don't, I don't even know that play that everyone's talking about. I really didn't see it. The loaf has nothing to do with that. I liked what I saw from Dak, and I liked what he said after the game and all that. Like, it's got to get better. He knows it. He knows it's on him. But I think he's the type of guy that's going to get it better. But are you at all concerned that this is now because, well, let me back up. 
last week did you think he was a little bit off? Because there were some people who felt like he didn't play his best game yeah. last week. Are you now at all concerned that this is a second week in a row? If you believe that he didn't play his best game last week, are you now concerned that this is two weeks in a row when he hasn't been completely on with his passing? Let's, let's see. But when the defenses don't get – I mean, the, this is two of your better defenses in the NFL. We know this. Let's see what happens when you're facing – got some, some other ones coming up. That's I mean, fine. Like Arizona's a pretty good defense. That's fine. The Rams are actually a pretty good defense. Green Bay is until last night. They played pretty well week one. Yeah. Obviously not in week two, but I think the no, point that was is, the Cowboys. That was the Cowboys that did that. But see but they played pretty well week one, but not in week two. Right. So did the I, Packers. I was making a joke. Right, right. <laughs> but such a buzzkill. Yeah, whatever. Go. Game was a buzzkill. It was. Big time. All right. I just I'm talking about it's one thing to have a good defense. It's another thing to have a defense like that. It's like, why are you good? Are you good yeah. because you are like Cincinnati was last year where they were so good against the run and all that, and then uh, the Cowboys blew them off the ball. I think what we're finding out is you got good pass rushers and good corners, then this is you're going to be able to, to, to handle the Cowboys a little bit because you can then you can manage to stop the run, and you're not as worried. I think this is – the bigger concern that I have is that Williams, Beasley, and Dez – are are pretty good. And pretty good is not going to always win. Yep. We saw this last year. Yeah. Though. When you look at the defenses that gave them problems, it was the defenses that had a really good cornerback yep. or two really good cornerbacks and then had a, a pretty Some good solid pass front. Rushers. Yeah, pretty good front to where they don't have to worry about giving help on the back end. They could just play it straight up in the front, and that's, that's where the Cowboys have problems. Even in Dak's best games last year when he looked like Joe Montana – the offense was predicated around the run, and the passing game was a complement to the fact that the defense was terrified of giving up the run. I, you can go back and look at any game you want to. And, and that even includes – I mean, there were some games. Washington on Thanksgiving comes to mind. Um, you know, the Eagles game obviously comes to mind. The Pittsburgh, there are games where Dak made some must-have plays in the passing game. That doesn't take away from the fact that the run set it all up. And, yeah, if if you can shut down the run and force this to be – and force the Cowboys to play through the air, it's probably not going to go great for them, at least not at this point in time in Dak's career. You certainly have a much better chance of being able to beat them doing that yeah. uh, than you do otherwise. But as you guys both started this show saying, there aren't a lot of teams out there that have that personnel. It's not until you get to those teams that you really have That's, to worry yeah. about this. What I'm – if if I'm you know a diehard Cowboys fan looking for a silver lining to cling to, it's that I just don't. I think there's probably four teams in the NFL that have the personnel to do with the. Broncos. I think you got two more this year. You want to guess which ones they are? Kansas City comes to mind. Yep. And December Giants. Well, the Giants. Again? I mean, well, yeah, but Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Seattle yeah, yeah. Forgot me. Yeah. So basically, those three. That's so far Giants, from now. That's what I'm saying. There are like three teams that you have left on the schedule that fit that mold of good cornerbacks that can cover you man-to-man and then a front that can get after you. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's not like it's the only way to do it, too. I mean, if you, if you, if you don't have – if you didn't face the best pass rusher in the, in the league yesterday, you will when you, you face Oakland. When they've got Khalil Mack, and so, and then they have an offense that's explosive on the other side. So that's going to be a different set of problems. Too. But the pass rusher by him, by himself, I think the Cowboys can manage it. Yesterday, I think they managed. You said it, Von. Yeah. They managed Von Miller yeah, well through I think most. Lyell of the game, actually right? played pretty well. Yeah, they they managed that through most of the game. It's when you have corners that you can't that the yeah. receivers can't get get open against, and then you have a problem, right? The thing that troubles me the most is. And I just said, you know, Denver's got unique personnel. I think that's true. But like I said earlier, the extent to which they were able to just completely make the running game look inept. I mean, it'd be one thing if Zeke was averaging 3.4 and had 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's a bad day for him by our standards. Yeah. Eight yards? Yeah. Like, I mean, and we spent a good chunk of, the, of last week talking about how if there was a weakness to this Denver defense, it was their run defense. Didn't Not look, so much. Didn't look very weak you know, yesterday. <laughs> this looked like a baseball game where, you know, you they just mirrored each other. Like, you're getting no hit over here, and then, you know, you can't – and then you're giving up 10 runs over – I mean, it's like they couldn't run. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't miss – you know, they couldn't avoid tackles. They couldn't make any tackles. You know, they, they couldn't get off the field on third down on defense. They couldn't convert third downs. It was just – everything they weren't doing on this side – the Broncos were, and that's that was troubling. I mean, 
I didn't realize Elway was back, in, you know, playing quarterback for them. But, well, I mean, he was moving them up and down the field. Hold that thought. We're going to go and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Cowboys defense versus uh, an offense that we didn't expect, or at least I didn't oh. expect much from, uh, that really showed up and played extremely well. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credit start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag troop thanks. That's hashtag troop thanks. And by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. Bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together. You picked up a spare, but you're craving something better. A thirst runs deep inside, you don't know what to do. You crave a nice cold Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you. Grave Rider! You like the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper. Grave Rider! When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do. Pick up an ice-cold 20-ounce bottle today. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome back it's the second segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios at the star we're talking cowboys versus broncos cowboys lose 42 17 um, in a game that was not close really at any point other than the first quarter maybe even when it was close on the scoreboard though didn't didn't it feel like it didn't feel close so much for that one hour pause yeah, due to the inclement weather. How many of you guys, when they when they had the uh, the the rain delay or the storm delay, whatever it was, thought, okay, well, they're gonna go in, they'll come back out, they'll be a different team. This will feel different in the when they come back out and resume this game. I, well, I know I did. It did actually. Worse? No, they they came back, tied the game, and they had the momentum. They actually it did turn around briefly. Big play in the game was that not not getting that fumble. Jeff Heath went down there and got a. Uh, after the touchdown, got the fumble, yeah. and I mean, they're the ball sitting there, and then they couldn't get it, and then Denver goes and scores. Yeah, and that, I thought that was a big, big momentum shift there because you could they were starting to hit, they were flying around. Demarcus Lawrence made a play, Collins, you know, they scored with Dez. It's like, well, here we go. So I, I, I thought things did change a little briefly, but you know, Denver, you just can't. It couldn't. Cowboys just couldn't get off the field, and you know, they couldn't tackle him. I thought Sean Lee played as one of his worst games I've ever seen him play. I mean, he, really. He said he, as much. He, did he say that? that? Yes. He said as he said much. This is the, the worst tackling game he's ever played in in all of his history of football. And it was it was a bad game for him. And it was a bad game, really. Again, I have a hard time pointing out any person that's playing poorly because they all played poorly. Like yeah. like you said, there was very there there wasn't a person you could point to to say yeah you had a game. Like, Bailey Bailey did his job. He, he every kickoff was of course he's playing in thin air. You know right. this stuff, so you, you expect that. And I'm sure LP did his job and all that. Even though there was no, it wasn't him. I thought Frederick snaps. I thought Dak was catching them all over the place yesterday. Um, that's why I like covering Sean Lee. I mean, when when you because I wrote that yesterday, I wrote that he didn't play well. But it's always it's always good when you cover someone that just says it first. 
you know. Well, Jason Witten had a really bad game one time in Seattle after that injury, and we were thinking, is this the end for him? And he and he basically was like, it's the worst game I've ever played. And he said, I will come back, and I'll play better. And he went and set the, the catch record for tight ends that year. So Sean, Sean Lee is one of the more accountable guys I've ever – You ever seen that – it's like one of the classic NFL photos of Y.A. Tittle after the game where he's like on his knees in the end zone and he's like bleeding from the head. Yeah. That's what Sean Lee looked like in the locker room yesterday. Like, you know, it's like, it's chaotic. There's interviews going on over here. The equipment guys are bagging up the locker room. They're stuffing pads into, you know, get it on the truck and get out of there. Sean Lee was just sitting in the chair at his locker, just staring. He wasn't there. He was just staring off into space. And he was like, he had his Under Armour on. He had his game pants still on. Like, he wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't moving. He probably sat like that for like six minutes. Like, he was just lost. And it was and it was just I could just show that picture to, of him sitting there to anybody and they would know what happened. Ironically, he wasn't the only one. I noticed there were a few guys that were kind of just sitting there, kind of looking into space after the game. And I think I don't think they expected that to go down like that. I don't. I think they were shell shocked at how poorly they really played. Yeah, it, this is humbling. They this team hasn't had its ass kicked even in 2015. I really feel like they right. didn't get their ass kicked like that. Maybe the Panthers game. But this hasn't happened to them very often. Yeah. And, and, you know, you say they had injuries. I know we're going to talk about defense. And, you know, Skandrick, that that was big and, and kind of snowballed there from that one position. But uh, I don't think Skandrick coming back with a cast, Demontre Moore walking into the halls here today, and David Irving in two weeks, I don't think those guys fixed that problem. You know, well, I mean, they, they they'll help. They'll help, but I don't think they'll fix the, the, the problem per se. Well, let's start with that because I do think that there was one part of that, that that could be a difference. Yesterday, we find out that the Cowboys made the decision prior to the game when they made their inactives list. They decided to make Benet Ben Wickery, uh, the, uh, the free agent, I mean, the, the cornerback that they traded for, uh, they decided to make him inactive yesterday. And that means they started with only four healthy cornerbacks. And in addition, and, and as opposed to having him active, they make Noah Brown, a sixth wide receiver, active for the game. Now, quickly, as does as is the case when, you know, in my opinion, whenever you set yourself up like this, yeah. it's going to always turn out to be what you don't expect it to be. But they lose two cornerbacks in the game. Chittabay goes down with a hamstring injury, and then you get um, an injury to Nolan Carroll, uh, the concussion. And then they're down to two cornerbacks. Obviously, I do think, Scandrick helps with that, but do you think they made a poor decision just from the standpoint of the inactives? Again, I know hindsight is, yeah. is twenty twenty, but do you think that was a short-sighted decision, knowing that Noah Brown was going to be your sixth guy and he's yeah. probably not going to play a whole lot at wide receiver? I, I do think that. I think it was a poor decision, and, and not just because of what happened. Because you, you're right, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I, and I. But I mean, when you think about having four guys active for a position that you really play three a lot. And, and so most of the time you, you don't even have a backup at every spot. And, and that's why I think they were, they were you know, you're, you're exposing yourself there. You know, that's why they get on the field. Terrence, can you play or can you, can you not? Are you going to play? If you're going to play, then let's play five receivers. That's fine. You sit Noah Brown. If he gets hurt, then you're playing with four receivers, and you can figure out other packages there. So I, I thought it was a bad decision by them. Not only do you have four corners, but one of them's never played a game. The other one's only played one game. And then you've got Anthony Brown, who's played one season. And then and the worst one of the four was Nolan Carroll. He was bad. I before mean, the concussion. Before he got hurt. Right. That was so uh, that was not good. I'll, I'll th- I agree with everything y'all just said. I'll throw this out there that I don't know that I don't know that Benet Ben Wicker he's a cure all there. He, it would have been his first game snaps with the Cowboys. He's mm-hmm. been here for a little more than two weeks at this point. I, I mean, it would have been nice to have the body, especially given that Jordan Lewis had never played in an NFL game. But I don't know that would have made a huge difference in the outcome. To me, I agree with not, maybe not a big difference in the outcome, but I'd like to see it rather than seeing a guy that's a rookie safety now dropping yes. down to play in the slot. Yes. You know, Xavier Woods was taking snaps in the slot. To me, that was – as soon as I saw it, I'm thinking that can't be good. And so if you at least have Benet Benwickery, you have a veteran cornerback that's playing cornerback. Yeah. Right? I, that helps. Which – so, I mean, Carroll has a concussion. Cheeto is dealing with the same ham- hamstring that's been bothering him. It's too soon to try to make a prognosis on either of those guys for Monday, but – 
think even if they seem like they're healthy, I would probably put Ben Wickery up this week just to have the body. You, you know? might have to go sign someone, depending think, on Skandrick. Depending on Skandrick. Right. Yeah. yeah, and not – don't say the name. It, it's going to no, be – not him. You know, it's he's, not in our, he's in our mailbox. Darrell. It's not going to happen. He's in our <laughs> mailbox. There's Darryl. a lot of – Daryl. Daryl. They're calling for him. Are yeah. they? It's not yeah, going to happen. Are. It's not going to happen. The island. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting on an island right now. Maybe. All right, let's uh, let's talk some more about the defense, though. Yesterday, I thought the biggest problem for them was that they couldn't stop the run. If you can't stop the run, everything else will flow from that. Uh, but C.J. Anderson's first 100-yard rusher they've given up uh, in the last year. Uh, they didn't give one up all last season. He goes for 25 carries for 118 yards, a 4.7 average, and a touchdown. Um, what was the difference yesterday as opposed to what they've been doing all this other time as far as being able to stop the run? I thought it was tackling. I, I thought, I mean, th- there was a lot of plays. They just couldn't tackle, even when they had two or three guys there. He is a shifty player. There, there is, There's no doubt. There was a couple plays down in the goal line where they they have him stopped, and he's still kind of, you know. Strong. Yeah, he gets his, he kind of he gets low and kind of slippery and gets in there and gets a yard or two. And, and uh, But there, there was a, a play out in the flat when they had, what, three or four guys, and he's spinning and moving and, um, they they just did not wrap up. They they didn't play very physical. And you know when Sean Lee's not playing well, when he's not tackling well, who is going to play well? You know, and I just they they were that offensive line kind of got after him a little bit too, and they just did what they wanted to do. I mean, it was I, this is stop me if this sounds familiar, but you're not going to see very many opponents that have played the Cowboys in the last year or so that ran the ball 39 times. That's no disrespect to them. Obviously, they could have tackled better. They did not. Play, I mean, they did not play sound defense, but part of the reason the Cowboys have been good at defending the run is because teams, teams stop trying to run the ball after a while when you're down or in an even game in the fourth quarter uh, and you haven't had a lot of success with it or you don't have a lot of time to do it. I mean, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I'll go look it up. I'll bet – 39 attempts against is probably right up there with as many as they've had to face in the last season plus. Yeah, but the one thing that goes against that is in the first half, C.J. Anderson had 12 carries for 58 yards with a 4.8 average. And that's so where, although the, the the number, the total number of, you're right, the total number of runs, Cowboys probably haven't faced that, but they were having success early in the game and that's, throughout the game. that's where the bad defense comes into right. play. Yeah. Just I, I don't think, uh, right. aside from the tackling, there were also a lot of, instances and occasions where you would see two guys next to each other in a hole completely open a space wide open where the whole defense just looked completely disorganized and some of these guys looked like they didn't know what they were doing just kind of there and then they see last minute don't get fast enough to make that tackle so it was just just the whole thing. Hey, just. If you if you were to, you're right. If you were to look at that team and, and just not know anybody and go, okay, somebody's playing their first NFL game out there, you wouldn't have picked Jordan Lewis. I mean, you would have picked five or six guys yeah. before that. Like, okay, not him, this guy. And I'm not even talking about the interception. I thought he played pretty well in some in other spots. The interception just kind of came to him, but he caught it, and that's better than some of the receivers on the team uh, could say. Uh, and which which going back to that, you guys talked about Dez saving a couple of interceptions he did contributed he also, to he also yeah, created one, was, yeah. one maybe two i don't know what happened on the goal line there the one that was touchdown well on the throw. i think that was just the exact same throw that dak had made those other two that des knocked down and des didn't make the play defensively yeah. on that one uh, but it was the same situation he threw it inside i don't know if he was expecting des to be inside or we not. had a shot for that i mean it was kind of right in front of us it was I had a shot. Almost there. made the tackle, but I decided not to. <laughs> you know what's funny? I would have been like Beasley, you know, just go up there and we'll just wiggles whiff. you off. Yeah. This look at the Broncos' stat line, and like they did exactly what the Cowboys want to do. Mm-hmm. They, I, I they thought ass- the same thing. I, I, thought I you, mean, look, look if you at just it. Looked at it. It would have looked the that flipped. is the that's the Cowboys' ideal stat line. Trevor Simeon didn't bomb away. He threw for two hundred and thirty-one yards, yeah. but he completed seventy percent of his passes seemed like every third and every time they were in a third down passing situation it's not like I can't remember more than maybe one super long passing game he just found the guy that was poorly covered the best throw he made was that touchdown pass that he threw over the top of the defense yeah that was the best throw he made all day yeah and but other than that you're talking about slants and and comebacks on soft coverage on third and five third and six and then even better 
he looked like freaking Dak Prescott in the red zone. I mean, I think it was twice in a row they just abused Jordan Lewis on play action in the red zone. Yep. And that's exactly the type of stuff the Cowboys love to do. So, Although I'm not certain on that one touchdown to 85, I'm not sure that wasn't Byron Jones. Because Byron reached for him as though, oh my gosh, my guy just got away. And, right. and he's I, chasing him. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't use words like abuse until I've watched the game tape, but they beat the defense badly on a yeah. couple of play actions down right. there. So you look at, at those numbers for him, and I guess you look at the receivers and what they did. Demarius Thomas uh, catches six balls for 71 yards. Uh, Sanders goes uh, catches seven balls for 62 yards and two touchdowns. Are you at all concerned, looking at what the cornerbacks were, did yesterday, are you all con- at all concerned about the future of these cornerbacks facing some pretty good offenses that you have to face. Obviously, you got Green Bay, you got Atlanta. You got some teams coming up that'll be very tough to handle. Are you worried about the cornerbacks? No, Derek, I feel fine. I think it's all great. I think they're going to be awesome. This is Radio Dave. Not that. Got to talk about it. Not not as concerned as as sarcastic Dave is. Sorry. I mean, you are going to get Scandrick back at some at some point here. I think Jordan Lewis. You know, assuming he doesn't get hurt, I thought Anthony Brown. You know, he was he was battling. I actually thought he played. He, he played well, all right, relatively I mean, speaking. Think about this: What if the Cowboys would have done what they normally do on offense? You know, moved the ball, scored some points, and gotten the Broncos into kind of a shootout. Right. When you look at Thomas, six catches, seventy-one yards. Sanders, six catches, sixty-two. It's almost like they were taking it easy on him because of what the score was. If the Cowboys would have been up on this game. Denver would have done whatever they wanted to passing because they would have just these guys would have torched the cornerbacks, but they got they kind of a little bit fortunate that all they had to do was run. I really, but you know, I just when you consider that a rookie safety was playing in the nickel and a guy with no NFL snaps was playing outside, I really thought they could have taken more advantage, right? And they did, and they didn't have to because they they were running. But I'm saying if the cow if this game would have been more of a shootout, Denver I think would have exposed them a little bit more. You know, I, I disagree a little bit with that because the reason why I think I think that really the play action is what allowed Probably. them to be as successful in the passing game. Now, early on, some of those situations were just like literally they were just throwing passes, short passes, and the Cowboys corners weren't making the tackles quickly enough. That seemed Watch to settle down a little bit. Here. I know, right? That seemed to settle down a little bit. But I, I just, you know, I think that because you can't stop the run, when you get in situations where you can't stop the run – Good luck with the passing game, especially if it's a game, if it's an offense that's predicated on short, quick passes, which is what they were doing yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And and to your point, uh, you will get Skandrick back at some point. Jordan Lewis, honestly, for his, he wasn't supposed to play defense yesterday. I don't. I wrote about that last night. His original game plan was to be a special teamer and maybe some spot duty, like in dime or something like that. So, for him to get thrown in like that, I'll take that. You know, I mean. When you look at the circumstances as what they are, he was all right. And maybe the Broncos weren't picking on him the way that they could have, but I'll take that as your debut in adverse circumstances. The thing that troubles me is Cheeto, this is the same hamstring. We know how hamstrings go. I And I don't know for sure. We'll have to wait and see. But I hope that this isn't something that impedes him, you know, for at least the first half of his rookie season, because that's that's how you wind up having a, a rookie year where you don't make the type of impact that you want to. So hopefully he can get right sooner rather than later, because these are the types of things that, you know, can linger and frustrate an might, entire season. I might go IR with him. I'd really? like to see maybe. I mean, this is the same injury now, right? Same hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, maybe this is an eight week thing. Gives you a spot. A long time. It is, but it gives you a spot to go get another corner. Are you more concerned though about Nolan Carroll? I mean, he, he took that's a pretty, another one. Pretty yeah, big and hit. And let's be honest, like even this goes back to training camp. Didn't look great before he, he got not, it. He has not looked great. Like there have been a couple days during training camp when we said, hey, wow, Nolan Carroll had a pretty good day. Well, do what you got to do. I think there were way more days when it was like, man, what's what's going on with Nolan Carroll, right? Then, you know, make the move then. I mean, I don't know what it cost you, but make the move. Well, right now you don't have any options. I don't think you. I don't think cutting him is an option at this point. You kind of have to ride with him. But you're also hoping that these rookies kind of ascend a but little bit and they can play a little more. That's kind of my point. Is, and and this, isn't, this is not a hard and fast rule because I remember last year – saying, well, Malik Collins' rookie year is a wash because he's going to miss mini camp, he's going to miss most of training camp, and rookies just don't recover from stuff like that. Well, he did. He did. But 
as a general principle, it's hard for a rookie to come up and develop into something super meaningful if he's not available to play. And that's and practice for that matter. And that's what I worry about with Cheeto, given that, you know, he missed something like 17 days of training camp. This is bothering him again. Again, I don't know how long this is going to hold him out, but it's got to be concerning when the the guy that you drafted first among all these defensive backs, number 60 overall, isn't uh, he's not getting the reps that he needs in order to get that improvement that you want to see. Uh, did you have something? Well, uh, maybe uh, when we come back from break, we can talk about. I mean, I, and it was pretty much a blowout from the start to finish. But I do think we in the fourth quarter, I, I thought Jason maybe mismanaged that a little bit. They had a shot there. Uh, and we talked about it on the sideline. About I thought they should have kicked a field goal there. Yeah, and I disagree, but I think okay. that's a good discussion point. Okay. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and of course with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Back to the break. That would probably look like a dress. On me. Oh, hey, we're back. Hey, you guys know a synonym for getting embarrassed in a football game? People people call it a depantsing. Right. When you get beat really bad. Pants down. The Cowboys, they got caught with their pants down yesterday. And hopefully they were wearing Tommy John underwear. If you're going to get depantsed. If you're going to get depantsed, you should do it in total comfort. And that is what Tommy and John style. Style, stylish, especially if you get the Cowboys uh, flavored Tommy John underwear. Fantastic. The flavor? You know flavor. what I mean. Well, that oh. could be a different industry altogether. But uh, if you go to TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys, you can get 20% off your first order. And the next time you get depantsed, you might be embarrassed, but at least you'll look good and feel good, too. So. I think we may have just made a new tagline for Tommy John. There we go. When you get get embarrassed in comfort. Be, be comfortable, yeah. Okay, that was uh, that was interesting. Um, let's get back into it, Nick. You had a point you wanted to make there before. Well, I, I think that you know the Cowboys are driving there. It would have been nice if um, um, Jason Witten catches it all over the middle. Would have been a tough play. It was the first play when we walked down there on the field. That's the first thing I saw was a pass to Witten. I thought he could have caught it for a touchdown. Would have yeah. Eh, would have maybe changed things a little it bit. Made it interesting. Would have made it thirty-five yeah. to twenty-four, but. With fourth down, with 3.51 to go, I, I, I thought they should have kicked a field goal there. I mean, you're down three scores already, so make it two scores. I mean, here's your shot to do that. Fourth and three from the seven, uh, especially if you're going to throw a low percentage pass to Dez to go and catch the ball. And, and, you know, Jason was asked that after the game, and I thought he had a good answer, but I still think, especially because you make it a 15-point game, you kick it to them, they're going to they're gonna start, you know, and they're going to be conservative now. You're still going to get the ball back, and they got down there again. Yeah, I guess the only the, the way I disagreed a little bit was where they were on the field on the against seven. this defense, I, I couldn't count on them getting that close again. So the chances of getting into the end zone when you're at the seven versus getting in the end zone when you're starting back at your own 20 or your own 25 or your own 30, whatever it is, yeah, they hadn't moved the ball consistently all day. So you only have to get to about the 35 to get a field goal, 37 maybe mm-hmm. to get a field goal. So I I've, I would have felt more comfortable. Huh? Probably I? 43. 
43? I mean, so you, that's even better, right? You're going to kick a 60-yarder yeah, to that's even win. better. But my, I guess the point I'm making, though, is yeah. if you have to just get there for a field goal, Might I think I have more faith that they can get there than I do that they can get back to the now, seven for a touchdown. If, if this is a scenario where it's like 41-31 and you've been moving the ball all day and you can, can yeah. trust that your offense has had some success, maybe I'll quibble about do you kick or go for the touchdown, but – Kind of irrelevant. I just never felt like this was even remotely close to a situation where they could have made it a game. And so I I, I, I know it's like it doesn't matter, but I just look at it like. But it should it should matter to the coach that's getting paid handsomely to try to put his team in the well, best, best I, position. I, I think what you always try to do, you see these coaches, they call timeout all the time. You're trying to extend the game. And I, and I think in a situation like this that, you know, you're saying you don't think they could have they could have drive down there. I don't like fourth and three from the seven. I mean, I don't like that. I, I think it's even it gets tight down there. They can't score. They can't find. I mean, look at all of his options are just to throw it fades and stuff like that. They can't really work it in there. So I just want to say, all right, let's make it fifteen. Let's let's kick off. They're gonna do nothing with the ball. And they got a little bit of pressure on them now. They're going to punt it back. You don't know if you can count on a 20-yard return again from Switzer, but he did a nice job. You know, and they got down there again. And then, so let's say you're down there like they were again. They're down there, down by 15. You you can maybe work a little bit more clock to run or to do something to try to punch it in because then if you score and make it an eight-point game with under a minute, now, you're, now you, all you are is an onside kick away from – at least throwing it into the end zone. You know what I mean? So Jason likes to pr- prolong the game. I kind of thought he could have done that. But his answer was, you know, you're probably going to – you're already there to score. Get an- Try to get another one. And if you have to kick a 60-yarder to try to win, that's where it's going to be. I mean, I, I see the point. I, I think I would have kicked it. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump into some phone calls. You guys can call us 214-872-2102. Again, it's 214 872 2102. You can also hit us on Twitter at Cowboys Break. We'll start with a call from Chris in Maryland. Chris, what up? Hello? Hey. Yes, how are you? Chris. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. It's uh, I was having a hard time hearing you through my Bluetooth. Um, yeah, I'm calling about um, there's a couple things I saw yesterday that really bothered me. And um, it's the second consecutive game I've seen this. Um, Dak Prescott has, to me, has not looked sharp or at, very accurate in both games I watched. And um, I don't know if it's him or Dez when he's trying to connect to him, but yesterday it looked like he was throwing straight to the DB. Is Dez not coming uh, coming back for the ball? Or is, he, or is Dak just throwing it that poorly? And my second point was something you guys touched on earlier was, I'm sorry, but I don't think Dez really has earned that 88. And that's just my opinion, but... We look like we got a bunch of really good number twos, but we don't look like we've got that number one, like that playmaker like Michael Irvin is. And um, I'll take your comments off the air, and you guys have a good day. All right, thanks for the call. Well, let's start. I'm, I'm not even going to go with that second part. I mean, I, I mean, isn't he the? Is he not yet the franchise's all-time leader in receiving touchdowns? Yeah, yeah. he's and close. He, if he, he makes isn't. he makes plays. And I heard I heard. I don't even know your name, but you know mine. This morning when I was driving in, I heard some people trying to make that argument. And then when I got to the office, I started watching the game back. And I think people forget about some of the catches that he made yesterday. That catch on the sideline the where we thought it was – The one we thought was was not going to be a catch. But that on the replay – not a catch. On the replay, it looks like one. And certainly they called it a catch. So either way, all I'm saying is there's some plays that he made yesterday that I thought was some really, really great catches uh, for this team. Now, I get where the caller's coming from. It, you want to see him when he's up against really great cornerbacks be able to win more. Yeah. Um, last week you would have wanted him to win more. This week you probably would have wanted him to win more. You certainly don't want him to let the ball go through his hands and then that ends up in an interception. Uh, he saved two interceptions though as well. But I guess that's where I, I, I understand what the caller's saying. I just don't think I agree completely because I think you forget about the really good plays, yeah. the great plays that, that he makes. I he's a, he's a number one receiver in my mind. He's just, I mean, he's he's off to not the start that he wants for this season. Let me say that first and foremost. But he's no nobody ever thought he was in that class with Julio, A. B. and Beckham, did they? I mean, like those. I I think the think so. the case that you had to put him up there. 
hasn't you haven't had much to go on since about 2014 and you know he he is what he is I think he's a very good receiver I think he's a number one receiver I certainly think he's worthy of being number 88 I think that's silly but I don't know that he is that Antonio Brown always going to well, produce guy. The guy that he gets compared a lot to for many reasons is the Marius Thomas, the, the Broncos receiver. They were drafted in the same class, uh, very close to each other, I believe. Uh, they were signed on their extension. No, same, same day. Same day, same amount of money. So, you know. Same and, number. Yeah. Yeah, he, he sports his 88. And he's a more productive player. Demarius Thomas has been a more productive player. Um in his career, I mean, he, he's you know he catches ninety balls uh, a season for five straight years, and you know he has a solid solid game there uh, yesterday. So not as flashy. I mean, I I don't understand when people say this is a number one receiver. Number one receiver means you're the starting receiver, right? It means you are the you're the number one guy on the team. Right. So there's thirty two number one receivers. That's silly to say that he's not a number one. He's not an elite top five receiver. That's what you right. paid him to be. Those three you mentioned, now you've got Mike Evans in there, who I think is better, and A.J. Green probably well, more accomplished. He's stuck in his own situation. True. Right? I mean, everyone's got, you know, and then you got Jordy Nelson. you you got all these situations, different receivers, I but will, I think he's a top 10 receiver. I will say this. And I'm okay with that. And this goes back to your point from last week, Nick. 16 targets, knowing – the type of coverage he's going to be facing and the type of cornerbacks he's playing. I don't know that you're doing him any favors there. And that's, I mean, that sounds like a knock on him. Like he's not capable of beating that, but if, and, and that goes back to the fact that the Broncos have the cornerbacks capable of playing man up on these guys and you don't have to double cover him. But I would like to think there's an easier option out there somewhere rather than just you're bound and determined to get Des the ball. I mean, Five targets for Terrence certainly seems small to me. Five targets for Zeke seems small to me. And even and in a game like this, Beasley. And in a game like this, maybe Ryan Switzer can do something for you. Yeah, here's an interesting stat to think about. Des Bryant right now is second in the league in number of targets through two games, yet he is ranked down around 36, 35 in number of receptions. So you just think about the disparity there in – the number of targets to the number of actual receptions. He only has nine receptions for the season, but it's been targeted, uh, what's that? It's got to be like 25 times and th- that, through two games. That That's bothers a ton. me. They will, they will never admit it, and maybe they're not, but it certainly seems like they're listening to the noise that says, you know, Dez has to do this, this, and this, whereas – the line is we're going to run our offense. We're no. going to get it to the guy there. Or, or maybe, or maybe it's something like in between, which is they say we've got this really dynamic receiver. We've seen him have a great offseason. We think we need to feed him the ball because we feel like it's best for our offense. We think he can make some dynamic plays, and they just haven't been able to. It's interesting because you go back and you think about this caller. He said, well, Dez has been living up to number 80, but then he also says the quarterback has been highly inaccurate. Well, that could be why Dez maybe isn't being – as productive as you want him to be is because maybe the quarterback isn't being as accurate as he needs to be with a receiver like Dez, who we know is not necessarily going to get a lot of separation. He just needs the ball placed in the right position for him to make a play on. You know, unlike other years, Dez has been there all of training camp. He really wasn't hurt. He wasn't like there was injuries that, that slowed them down. They were, he was there for this offseason. You know, there's really no reason why these two shouldn't be on uh, the same page. But again, let's wait and see. Not everybody's Denver and the Giants on defense, and and let's let's see how how it plays out. It's still early in the year, but I'm start, like, on a, even as bad of a loss as that was, I'm somewhere around a three in terms of like how tr- troubled I am about you know what this means for the season. I mean, I, I went and looked it up. Good teams get their asses kicked in the NFL. It's Sunday night football last night. Sunday night football. Happens. Two years ago, Green Bay got demolished in that same stadium, 29 to 10. I remember watching it in the press box at AT AT&T. It wasn't even close. Tom Brady famously lost 41 to 14 to the Chiefs in in a year that they won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'm sorry if that sounds like sunshine pumping, but it was truth. It was bad. There's a lot of stuff they need to fix. It doesn't mean that they're a bad football team. You just, you take, I mean, I loved Sean Lee's quote last night. He was like, you watch the tape, take what's good from it that you can, won't be a whole lot, and then you try to fix what else was bad, which is a lot. Uh, Let's get a question from Twitter. 
So there's a lot of questions about Byron Jones. Can we quickly mention him? Just are you guys concerned about his performance moving forward based on everything that we've seen so far? I just thought he chalk him up with the other guys. I mean, I, there was a few plays. He made a play. He made he made a nice play um, to save a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, Eddie Fowler's showed, okay. Yeah, he showed way. some range there. But he also had, I think he gave up at least one touchdown, maybe another. And, you know, I mean, the whole thing, they were scrambling. I thought we would see him at corner some. That They were probably really close to doing that. Now, let's not forget – you know, he, he did miss some time this week with a groin injury. I bet he was dealing with that a little bit, but he was healthy enough to play. And, you know, it's, it's got to get better with him, too. It's unfortunate because of the injuries. But, I mean, to this point, the optimism that they had in the secondary, you know, improving it through talent alone is not – I mean, it's not coming to bear through two games. Yeah. It's early in the season. But, you know, you have that optimism in the off season before games actually start getting played. And this is what it's actually looked like through two games, which, again, to be fair, there have been a lot of injuries, but doesn't look awesome. I think I think as as fans and spectators and media alike, I think we're a bit spoiled. Maybe and that's maybe a wrong word because it's only been one year. But I think they I think everybody looks at the the, the, the immediate success of that rookie class last year. And they forget that yeah. rookies take sometimes and most of the time, vast majority of the time, it takes rookies a little bit of time. And in these cornerbacks, you were expecting them to come in and be able to contribute early. And especially the cornerbacks, they they missed a significant amount of time during training camp, which, which is which is really their only training for the NFL. Yeah. And so to expect that they were going to be able to be thrown out there yesterday and all of a sudden be able to just play, I just think that's a lot to ask for for rookie let, cornerbacks. Yeah, let me also throw this part out too, because we've said this several times about the defense, like about facing this defense. It's they're not always going to be this tough. You're not always going to face defenses like that. That being said, they get better than Trevor Simeon. They get better <laughs> yeah, than C.J. You know, Anderson. Plays better, about it. better offense. So that's that. that's part of it as well. Yeah. And so it's <laughs> you could kind of take one thing. I mean, this was a bad loss all the way around. No way to slice it. And special teams was bad. I mean, well, they had some moments, but they had some they had some issues too. But the one thing I will say is, in the Dak era, the, this team is, has been able to perform against better against good offenses than they have against yeah. good defenses. They play great defenses, they struggle. Yeah. They play great but, offenses, they can they can play with them because again, they can stick within how they play offense and that's how they are good. I I'll take my chances against all the best quarterbacks in the NFL Absolutely. before I want to play a defense like that. Yeah, but no more parts of that. But I think that you know, teams got to be kind of uh careful there because this they're going to look at it and say this is the blueprint. Go up there and you, you stop them. Good luck. And 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 you stop these guys on the outside, but that's and you're right. The blueprint's right there. The Cardinals will try. You know, but guess what? The Giants set the blueprint last year. Yeah. Only the Vikings could replicate it, and they couldn't and replicate it to a win. My my point was going to be that there's only, like I said, I really only think there's so many teams in the league that can replicate that blueprint. You right. can try if you want to, but how many teams have they played? I don't, I don't know. Something like 15 teams. If you take out repeats against division opponents, yep. three of them have have managed to put that plan together so i don't think it's worth panicking over it's definitely something to consider when you're going up against these types of teams especially if you get into the playoffs there you go yep and you but, gotta win your division we know that and and nobody in this division is going to go run away with anybody or anything you know it looks like uh, depending on what the giants do yeah, tonight they'll win might have a four-way tie cool. here in the second week which is yeah. not uncommon no. but it looks like everybody's going to be bunched up together, and that's probably what it's going to look like a lot of the season, I would suspect. There's not going to be an 11-game winning streak after this loss? Who knows? Maybe. Damn. They were 1-1 one one after last season, too, weren't they? That was fun. Yeah. Let's do that again. All right, guys, we appreciate you joining us. We are back tomorrow at our normal time of 9.30 a.m. Central Time. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this,